Blog Talk Radio. The following show is a proud member of the ShowDoc Network. Learn more about this show and other great shows by logging on to ShowDoc.com. This week's episode of The Legal Docket is being sponsored by Blog Talk Radio, The Hyperbole Hour, and by the Sports Docket, Super Bowl 47 going on right now. Coming to you live from... What's on your docket? Welcome to the legal docket with Quas and Jay. Tune in to hear their take on law and politics to find out if our government makes the grade. Presented by ShowDoc.com. Well, it's the biggest night in all of sports tonight, but it's time to talk some politics. Hello and welcome to the legal docket on Blog Talk Radio. This is episode 22. For February 3rd, Super Bowl Sunday, 2012. Tonight we're discussing the top legal and political issues of the week. We'll also give you uh, updates on the Super Bowl tonight between the Baltimore Ravens and the San Francisco 49ers in New Orleans. We're coming to you live tonight from Brooklyn, New York and Staten Island, New York. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Ethan Quasman. And I'm Oli Arvin. I'm here joining Ethan Quasman once again on the legal docket as J.B. Rhoda is still on assignment at this time. Uh, yes. In any case, indeed, it is a huge, huge day today. Uh, the Super Bowl Sunday, and of course, um, it's a big day for uh, the sports teams. Everybody tunes in to watch the sports teams. But politics does not stop there, and uh, we are back here with you guys uh, reporting about uh, the latest news, actually, coming out, since we're on the topic of the Super Bowl. Uh, Literally, just minutes ago, there are reports coming in that the Superdome has gone dark due to a uh, power outage at New Orleans, uh, which also briefly delayed the play and uh, cut the audio to the CBS television feed. Uh, It was right after the halftime show, um, and it appeared Years that there was uh, according to reports of the USA Today, a smoke alarm started going off inside the press box uh, in a hallway next to the AC coaches box, and uh, Superdome staff were uh, trying to fix the issue, but it looks like everything has been back in action. So uh, the game is continuing on, but that is the latest from the Super Bowl. Uh, and uh, I guess let's get into politics a little bit. Yeah, and also it, it had nothing to do with Beyonce, uh, nothing to do with her lip singing at the halftime show, because she wasn't, unlike the inauguration. So, <laughs> uh, we'll see. Maybe somebody was trying to make sure that Beyonce was not lip syncing this time around. They couple the power to make her really sing. That's a good point. Yeah, but let's get into politics. Uh, another big week. Uh, it was the final week for Hillary Clinton as she made her closing remarks as Secretary of State. Um, and Ilya, I don't know, were we able to catch her, her remarks? It was a pretty big story in the middle of the week uh, where uh, she, uh, she stepped down after four, after four um, I would say, some pretty remarkable years uh, as Secretary of State, and uh, we'll see if she has a future in 2016, but uh, she uh, made her final remarks, her closing remarks, um, this week. And uh, now it's it's on to John Kerry, who was confirmed as the next Secretary of State. Right. I was not, uh, I actually did not get a chance to see it, uh, her actual final remarks, but I, I did hear a lot. And obviously, Harry Clinton is a person who was polarizing very much so, both in the 2008 election uh, when running against President Obama, she actually was very close to beating him in the first place. And then uh, we we all remember the talk that we had when uh, Hillary Clinton was just selected by President Obama in order to, to when she was just tapped for the um, Secretary of State position and people were questioning whether this was a wise move for her to do. And as it turns out, I think after four years, she took a phenomenal job as Secretary of State. There was a lot going on, a lot of... Um, issues going on over the past four years, and I think 
has handled them superbly in a superb manner. And uh, many are actually now uh, wondering if Hillary will be running for office again in 2016. Uh, and that is uh, something we have yet to see. And, um, you know, time will tell. Time will tell. I, I know that when President Obama did the joint interview with Hillary Clinton, he also mentioned that, uh, you know, time is the best way for us to see how things turn out because you never know what the playing field will be like four years from now. Uh, he just got elected. We got four years ahead with President Obama. His, his inauguration just passed a few days ago. And uh, I think we've got an exciting four years, particularly with John Kerry taking the helm over from um, Hillary Clinton. That's a big step in a different direction. John Kerry was also a figure who was very involved in international politics. And as we know, he was also presidential candidate. Isn't that right, Ethan? John Kerry was the presidential candidate, I believe, in 2004 against uh, President Bush. Right, and uh, as we know, as everyone very well knows, uh, uh, John Kerry was uh, under extreme scrutiny at that point, I think, uh, about his uh, service in the... the, What was it? I believe he was referencing his Vietnam War service, which he actually did not serve. And uh, there was a lot of controversy going on. That was such a long time ago. I don't even remember at this point. Um, but yes, indeed, uh, he narrowly missed uh, being elected to uh, President Bush uh, for his second term. And uh, it's interesting that John Kerry is coming back into the limelight now that Democrats are in power. And uh, it's actually quite a powerful position. Uh, Secretary of State, I'd say, is a uh, definitely a, a very big position. I would say after the vice president, I'd say that's probably one of the most uh, important positions in the cabinet. Right. And uh, and especially with the uh, news of, I don't know, we have to catch the news about Syria and, uh, and, and Assad. It's getting worse in Syria, in the Middle East. Uh, it's, it's becoming a very uh, tricky situation for... Um, for the surrounding nations of Syria as they're dealing with uh, the massacre that's going on in Syria as it continues and it's uh, becoming very ugly. And uh, yes. this, definitely, this is definitely something that's going to be on on John Kerry on his radar screen uh, coming forward in in the coming months because it's uh, it is something that Hillary was dealing with and they were trying to get Assad out, but they were unsuccessful. And it's something that's going to be one of John Kerry's top priorities. Um, I, I definitely think that Syria will be one of the main areas of focus coming down the line for Kerry. And I think that will be his first real test to see um, how he handles himself on the international stage. It's definitely something that is a growing situation. It's definitely something that has been rather a pain, we would say, in the past uh, for Hillary Clinton. Clinton. And I think going forward, it's going to be a challenge for uh, John Kerry to show what exactly he has to offer on the table once he is officially uh, takes over the office and uh, pursues this this situation. Um, Just want to do a sidetrack real quick. Um, Over the weekend, uh, there was a major city icon, New York City icon, in uh, New York politics, uh, former yeah. mayor Ed Koch has passed away, and uh, he was he was a very polarizing figure in New York City politics. And I think not only um, you know in New York City politics, he was very well known uh, around the country for bringing about the turnaround of New York, uh, bringing it from the um, you know the, the crime ridden days as they as they were, he began that transformation, which was later continued by Rudolph Giuliani and uh, current police commissioner Ray Kelly. Uh, but Ed Koch was actually initially the man who, I think, started that change for New York City to what it is today, which is a major, major tourist attraction and a major powerhouse in both the economic and the political atmosphere. Uh, so it's, uh, you know, it's, it's with great regret that... Uh, you know, we have heard of his passing. Uh, he was 88 years old at the time of his death, and it is believed that um, 
I'm, we're getting reports here from Newsday that actually former President Bill Clinton is going to be at his funeral on Monday morning, yeah. which is tomorrow morning. So I, I think, uh, you know, as we all know, Bill Clinton was a big supporter of President Obama, so for him to come out and uh, show it, pay his respects to Ed Koch shows you just how important this man was, not only to New York City politics, but also to national politics as well. Right. And Ed Koch was mayor for three terms. Uh, he was definitely uh, a force uh, for for great economic growth uh, in New York City and making New York City the powerhouse that you described, Ilya. Uh, so he uh, he would be he would be very very deeply missed, and uh, his contributions go without saying. So, uh, right. Um, I'm actually getting some more information here as I'm reading through the story. Uh, they say that although President Barack Obama has uh, expressed his condolences to the family, he is actually sending Bill Clinton as his representative to the funeral. So it's actually on behalf of President Barack Obama that Bill Clinton will be uh, attending the funeral. Uh, also, um, reportedly scheduled to attend are comedian Joanne Rivers, who is a friend of uh, Mayor Ed Koch, and also former New York Governor Elliot Spitzer will also oh, be yeah. in the funeral. Uh, so it's interesting to see. And also, he will be buried in uh, Trinity Church Cemetery. Uh, he purchased a plot in 2008, which at the time was the only graveyard in Manhattan that still had space. So, uh, you know, in the 1980s, he led the city for 12 years, and uh, it's uh, it, it's definitely a big loss, I believe, um, for for everybody involved. And actually, I believe, uh, oh wow, uh, here's another something interesting. Uh, you, as you know, in 2011. Uh, they had renamed the Queensboro Bridge, the 59th Street Bridge here in New York City, yeah. uh, into the Mayor Ed Koch Bridge. But now, uh, Representative Carolyn Maloney, a, a uh, Congress representative, will announce the renaming of a Manhattan subway station on East 77th Street and Lexington Avenue that is going to be called the Mayor Ed Koch Subway Station. So I think it's definitely a great honor to him and uh, a, a great way to honor a mayor who made a lot of difference in New York City. Definitely an icon. Uh, if you want to call in and share your thoughts about Mayor Ed Koch or any of the topics we discussed before, even Super Bowl, we'll, we'll deviate to a little bit of a sports docking type of, uh, talk if you, want to, if you want to go that route. You can call in to speak with us at 347-426-3903. You can also uh, chat for, uh, on toll-free by listening to us or calling, th or calling through by Skype, by way of Skype. Um, and uh, you can also, uh, you want to send us an IM question, you can instant message myself at EthanQuasman at Jabber.org or Ilya Arbit at jabber.org uh, through an IM client. You can you can find us on Jabber Chat and uh, share your thoughts that way. But uh, definitely a lot to cover on this Super Bowl edition. And, uh, yeah, we're uh, looking forward to hearing any thoughts from our audience tonight. Uh, you know, a lot of people are busy out uh, with Super Bowl, but uh, there's still... Uh, it seems to be a, a shoo-in for the Baltimore Ravens, at least at this point. So we'll see what happens uh, going forward. There's always a chance for a comeback. It, it has happened in Super Bowl history, but uh, the Ravens seem to have, have made their mark thus far in Super Bowl 47. So uh, you can chat with us in those ways and, and, and talk to us if you want, if you feel the urge. And we uh, welcome any any calls and questions, uh, any topics as well. So definitely chime in. Indeed, indeed. Uh, it's, it's definitely a great day to uh, talk politics, I think. I couldn't pick a better day with Super Bowl Sunday, but, you know, show must go on. 
Um, here's something I'm getting at. This is an interesting, something interesting for us here in the uh, politics world. Um, the new chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, Senator Robert Menendez, uh, is, is actually is actually being uh, seen as the best anchor to go up against uh, Chris Christie in the state of New Jersey. Wow. Yeah, they're talking about, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of, uh, just trying to see, look through this. Uh, yeah, he's actually been... Uh, talking about that. There was a lot of um, scandal going around with him, but uh, they're definitely talking about it. But I think more particular than that is uh, not just the fact that Menendez is a big big person, but Chris Christie, we talked about him before, and um, you know, Chris Christie is becoming a big person on the Republican stage. He currently enjoys a 74% approval rating, and it is quite often mentioned as a 2016 White House contender. So we are we have yet to see how that's going to turn out. Um, so the Democrats are definitely looking to see um, who would be their nominee to challenge Chris Christie. Uh, currently, I believe they launched the campaign of State Senator Barbara Buono to challenge him. And... Um, you know, she also comes from a very outspoken Italian family, Italian immigrant family, and uh, her speech patterns, they say, uh, struck a populist tone by promising economic renewal. So it seems that, uh, you know, they're trying, the Democrats are definitely seeing how successful Christie's becoming with his uh, approach, and they're trying to approach people with the exact same uh, kind of, uh, I guess, strategy. So we'll see how that turns out. And, um, you know, that, that's something to be played out on that stage uh, as far as... And you have to admit that Chris Christie has done an incredible job. I mean, we have talked about this before, but Christie has done an incredible job with the Hurricane Sandy response. Uh, and uh, he definitely uh, has led by example uh a lot of Republicans were uh, against him uh, uh, having working so closely with 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 Obama, the Democrat. But uh, but Christie he did what was necessary after that storm to to, to have New Jersey uh, uh, having rebuild so beautifully from the disaster. And uh, so he has done uh, an incredible job uh, as the mayor, I mean, as the governor of New Jersey, and he's definitely a favorite uh, in 2016 um, for president, uh, for president-elect for that race. So um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens uh, going forward here. I I just want to talk about some issues that the president talked about before the Super Bowl matchup between the San Francisco 49ers and the Baltimore Ravens. President Obama said, this is according to ABC News, he said he stood by his recent comments that as a parent, uh, of course Obama has two girls, but as a parent he hesitated allowing his children to play football and that he viewed the context sport differently in light of recent heightened national awareness on its health dangers. He said, it's a great sport. I'm a huge fan, but there is no doubt some of the concerns that we have learned about when it comes to concussions have to give parents pause. Uh, We know about the uh, injury to Junior Seo, who died um, earlier in 2012, I believe, if I'm correct, and that was a big story in the NFL and in, in the United States, for that matter. And uh, that was a sad story. And uh, and President Obama also said 
that he feels differently about the NFL. These are grown men. They are well compensated. They know the risks that are involved. But as we start thinking about the pipeline, uh, high school, college, I want to make sure we do everything we can to make the sport safer. The president admitted it may mean less drama for those who like to see a big hit. So it's always good to hear the president speak about football and and his concerns. Uh, and then and now another issue that uh, President Obama spoke to ABC News about before the Super Bowl was immigration reform, which we talked about last week, and gun violence, which we talked about in numerous shows. Uh, Obama was asked about some topics that have received less attention, including military women in combat roles, and whether the Boy Scouts should allow gay members into their organization. Uh, In January, the Pentagon announced it would lift a long-standing ban on women serving in combat. President Obama was asked if he had any hesitation as commander-in-chief in ordering female service members into harm's way. He said that he doesn't. Women, as a practical matter, are now in combat. Are now in combat. They may not be treated as such, but when they are in theater in places like Iraq and Afghanistan, they are vulnerable, they are wounded. They have... Yeah, go ahead, Ilya. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, the president said he met women soldiers who who could do anything that a man can and that they should not be prevented from advancing in the institution we all revere. Meanwhile, later this week, the Boy Scouts of America will convene to decide whether to allow members of the LGBT community out of their ranks. Continuing his long-held stance, the president reiterated they should be allowed entry. Of course, the president is well known in his first term for ending "Don't Ask, Don't Tell." Um, the uh, that was initially signed by Bill Clinton, and uh, that that makes it easier for um, homosexuals to uh, serve uh, as in the military overseas. So. Um, Let's. Uh, I want to switch gears a little bit here. Um, there was something that we talked about just prior to uh, to the show with uh, Ethan here. Um, let's talk about Chuck Hagel. We know that he had uh, quite a, a uh, rough Senate hearing during his confirmation meeting, and uh, actually quite a few members of the um, of, of the you know, various members of government have come through to support him, including uh, what I'm seeing here, according to the Washington Examiner, uh, former White House Press Secretary Robert Gibbs has suggested that uh, Chuck Hagel's experience as a soldier in Vietnam gives him more credibility on national security issues than Senator John McCain. As you know, Chuck Hagel is the nominee for the Secretary of Defense position. Uh, He will be replacing Leon Panetta, who currently serves in that role, and uh, Leon Panetta has also expressed confidence in, uh, in Chuck Hagel, and uh, we'll see how that gets uh, gets turned out. What, what did you take take off that evening? Well, Chuck Hagel, you're talking about Chuck Hagel and and people being critical, um, and the Senate being critical of his uh, of his Israel uh, his Middle East views. Indeed, yeah, that was one of the issues that they questioned uh, as far as whether he was um, familiar with all the issues that are involved uh, as far as, and, and all the difficulties that present him uh, when he takes over as a defense secretary. Right, and uh, I think he did a good job presenting himself uh, in front of Senate uh, and getting, and I think he will get confirmed but that doesn't mean that people are still going to be critical of him going forward. Uh, yeah, it's certainly an, an, an issue. His, his Israeli stance is certainly something that has uh, brought up a lot of controversy. And, um, you know, it's, it remains to be seen as to how he approaches the situation. I know that the Senate has definitely questioned him on this. And... Um, 
but I don't think that that it will be something that's going to get in the way of uh, his confirmation. But it's interesting to see uh, actually members of, of both parties coming together and um, taking, you know, taking an idea of uh, supporting his candidacy and allowing him to go ahead and pass through and try to take on this position, this complicated position, which will require a lot of uh, haggling with the budget, a lot of um, questions to be involved as far as what uh, direction do the armed forces take from this point on. So there's a lot of questions that are going to be covered, and um, I definitely think that he's certainly a, a, you know, a good candidate for it. And, and although the questions were legitimate, it's definitely something that should be reviewed and considered. Uh, with that being said, let's do a little breaking news here on behalf of our sister show, Sports Docket, for any of you sports fans out there. Uh, it appears that the power has come back on uh, in the Superdome. However, really? the Ravens are still behind. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, the Ravens are still ahead uh, the 49ers, and uh, I don't believe the score has not changed. Actually, actually, I'm sorry, it has changed. 28-13. 2813 that's for the 49ers That's coming on the board. Um so it's uh 49ers now trail by um by uh by two touchdowns and uh an extra possession. So the 49ers still have a way to go. They want to get back in this game, but there's still time still plenty of time for the 49ers to make a comeback. Uh, that's the team I'm rooting for. Um, it's uh, the third quarter with seven minutes and 20 seconds to go, and the 49ers are down 28-13. Uh, I just want to get back to what you were talking about with, uh, with Chuck Hagel. Uh, the uh, current defense secretary, uh, Mr. L- Mr. Panetta, Mr. Leon Panetta, uh, has said that um that uh that he is uh supportive of Hegel he backs him and uh and he he was responding basically to um he said he was disappointed that the eight hour hearing that Hegel had focused on what Hegel has said in the past about Iran, Israel, and other matters instead of what he thinks about today's issues, according to Fox News. This is a report reached, uh, that was issued about three hours ago, including the war in Afghanistan, the fight against terrorism, and looming automatic budget cuts and their impact on military readiness. And, and uh, Panetta said... We just did not see enough time spent on discussing those issues. Panetta also said he is confident that Hagel is prepared to succeed him at the Pentagon. So um, we'll see what happens if Hagel is going to succeed Panetta at the Pentagon. But uh, I guess uh, if your if your predecessor supports you, that's uh, that's a good sign. If confirmed, Hagel's who is 66 years old, would be the lone Republican in President Obama's cabinet and the first Vietnam veteran. We were talking about John Kerry before as a Vietnam veteran and what's the question with that. And he would be the first Vietnam veteran to be Defense Secretary and the first enlisted man to take the post. So that's what uh, Panetta told um, Fox News about Hegel, they backs him. So hmm, that's interesting. Um here's an interesting little uh piece. Uh actually this is has to deal a lot with the uh gun rights issue that's been going on lately. Um yeah. President Obama had mentioned last week in an interview uh that he did with the New Republic with that he picked up a new hobby. He does uh skeet shooting at Camp David. Yeah I just saw and, that. Yeah go ahead, yeah. And this is a very interesting piece of piece of uh, news, I would say, because the president has 
called upon a ban on assault rifles and high-capacity magazines. So he's actually doing things that actually will impede the uh, gun issues uh, going further down the road. And yet uh, his new enthusiasm is skeet shooting. goes kind of a little bit, uh, how do we call it, paradox? Maybe, yeah. You know, for a president who talks about how gun control needs to be a much more a uh, much more evident issue, something that needs to be talked about regular on a regular basis, and then we find out that the president has actually a fan of shooting. So um, you know, some of the obviously conservatives have uh, rather disregarded this. They think that this is just a public relations move in order to endear him to gun owners and say. Uh, you know, we are just like this. We are we we are exactly the the same. And I can essentially have an idea where you're coming from, um, as long as we can sit down and have a reasonable talk about what's to be expected. So, what do you, what is your take on it? Do you think this is a a marketing ploy by the White House to make the presidency more relatable to the um, gun owners, or do you think that this is actually a legitimate hobby that he has? where, um, you know, the president just wants to show the world that he's more than just a guy in the office. He can also have certain hobbies and certain ideas, and it's not necessarily the uh, traditional golf that people usually associate with those in uh, places of power. What's your take on it? Um, well, um, we have to wait and see, but... I, I still want to wait and see what the NRA has to say about it all because they have been very vocal uh, ever since uh, the president uh, introduced his proposals on gun control. So uh, I well, think... Well, it's interesting that you mentioned the NRA. Uh, let me see if I have a comment from them. I do remember seeing that the NRA, NRA did have response to that. Just uh, give me a moment here to find it. Uh, in the meantime, you did mention Syria earlier. And, um, you know, we're, we're getting a, a report right now from the Associated Press uh, that Israel had actually, the Israel Defense Minister strongly signaled Sunday that his country was behind the airstrike in Syria last week. Uh, wow. Now, you know, although it's not officially confirmed, and Israel has not officially confirmed this, uh, this is the first word we're getting where at a high-profile security conference, um, the Israeli government is actually acknowledging possibly being involved in this. Uh, you know, what's your take on that? That this is something. Is, uh, there's a lot of controversy going on about this, and I realize some of it may be uh, biased, depending on which source it comes from. But uh, there definitely was an airstrike, uh, and um, if this was something that uh, Israel claimed has not either neither accepted responsibility nor suggested that they're involved. Uh, but this may actually mean that Israel may have had something to do with it. There, there is some word going around from the Israeli defense minister signaling that Israel is actually ready to deal and take on the world in a different way than we are all used to, and take maybe a more direct approach than uh, we were used to in the past. Yeah, I just want to. Yeah, I'll get to the Israel suggesting responsibility. For the Syria airstrike, uh, this is a big world story right now, a uh, very current story. But uh, I just want to give an update quickly on the uh, Super Bowl. It's turning into quite a game now. The 49ers have scored again, and uh, my team that I'm rooting for is pulling closer. Uh, it's now 28-19, to 19, the score. Uh, may still be. It may soon be 28-20. I think it will be, and with the time running out in the third quarter, uh, about five minutes to go, and the 49ers are catching up. So uh, it's turning into uh, 
I agree. I should mention this actually the Super Bowl. Let's, let's do a little quick tangent over here. There's a, a really f- uh, funny fact that I wanted to share with everybody. Uh, and uh, this is coming from Media Decoder and New York Times. Uh, they're saying that the Super Bowl blackout was inspiring some of the sponsors to jump in on social media that took advantage of that. Uh, they said brands like Oreo and Audi are posting lighthearted comments with photographs on their Twitter feeds. And um, it, it seems that uh, social media is definitely engaging with consumers and showing off their their uh, reactions to a situa- unexpected situation. And uh, even Walgreens has reportedly chimed in, too, with a comment that its store actually sells lights, which is kind of ironic considering the... Uh, the, the, the um, power outage that they just had. And uh, with that being said, uh, in, in order to get a more in-depth look, uh, possibly a legal document is not the best, uh, uh, obviously, uh, medium for this, uh, we actually are, we would like to announce the creation of a new show that will have its inaugurated launch uh, later on this week. Uh, do stay tuned to showdoc.com and our Facebook page at uh, facebook.com slash showdoc. The uh, show will be called On Tap, and this will be a show which will dis- uh, discuss issues of the media, discussing the media, which will be members of uh, our show doc team analyzing uh, the media industry and everything that goes on. And our first inaugural show will actually be taking a look at some of the commercials and advertising that was going on during the Super Bowl and uh, kind of putting it into perspective a few days after this has already passed and people have had a chance to really uh, sit on it and understand it. So uh, that's our big news for the day. Uh, we are going to be launching a new show called On Tap, so stay tuned for more information. We will definitely be putting some announcements over in the next few days. And uh, also, just to mention, uh, today's updates from uh, Super Bowl 47 are coming on behalf of our sister show, The Sports Docket, uh, who are so close to the monitoring. The Sports Docket should be coming, coming back soon, yeah. They're working very hard on uh, bringing you some more shows right now, and uh, they're actually closely following the Super Bowl right now, and we're bringing these updates on behalf of our uh, members of the Showdown team uh, that are involved in the sports docket. Right. Uh, let's get back to the some of the news uh, that were going on. Uh, here's a new report from the New York Times that was just published today. Um, President Obama has said in a televised interview Sunday uh, with Scott Pelley of CBS News, um, he could foresee a budget deal in Congress that does not include further increases in tax rates, but instead focuses on eliminating loopholes and deductions. So what do you think um, of that? There's a lot of loopholes in the tax tax code, as we know, and President Obama is now starting to talk about not only raising taxes, as he did earlier this year, for uh, people earning more than $450,000 a year, but also targeting the uh, overhauling the tax code, and and, uh, not just the spending cuts, but also being able to save uh, and uh, come to a reasonable budget uh, by actually eliminating the deductions uh, that a lot of people are loopholes that a lot of people have uh, used in the past. Um, President Obama says, can we close some loopholes and deductions of folks who are well-connected and have a lot of accounts that some lawyers can take advantage of so they end up paying lower rates than a bus driver or a cop? That was one of the uh, one of the quotes that Mr. Obama has said in his 10-minute interview in the White House. Um, you know, he did not rule out tax increases but this is definitely a step in a different direction for President Obama, possibly attacking the overhaul of the tax code altogether, uh, which is interestingly enough something that I believe the Republicans have suggested during the election season was that perhaps the approach that we need to take is not just simply raising the rates, but perhaps we also need to uh, revamp the tax code to better reflect the current state of the economy. So what do you think, Ethan, on that? Do you think President has evolved into a uh, different mindset, into something that is more, uh, I guess, conducive to actually solving the economic problems as opposed to simply trying to find new ways of uh, raising revenue for uh, for, the, for a balanced budget? 
I think that the president uh, is is following through on his legislation that he signed through Congress that raised taxes on annual household income over over four hundred and fifty thousand. And um, I uh, Obama had said that um, there's no doubt that America needs additional. The federal government needs additional revenue coupled with smart, with smart spending reductions and that uh, it's going to evolve a reduction of health care costs, which he already has, pe- has passed through, and closing tax loopholes, like you said, Ilya. And I think this is just Obama's way of on WhiteHouse.gov. He said the tax system needs to be fair and transparent, he notes that the average American can't take advantage of loopholes or offshore accounts. So I think Obama is just, he's following through on what he was doing with the budget and with uh, with his uh, compromise leading up to the new year uh, when they were trying to get um, a budget proposal done, and they got it done. And uh, the, whole, the whole deal with the debt ceiling, and I think that uh, this is a this is a good move by the executive branch. And uh, I uh, I I feel that uh, that uh, this is just what. Um, this is just what uh, we should, should we should expect from our politicians with the tax system, and uh, I think that uh, this is a this is this is a good move. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's definitely. I think that's definitely a good start uh, in order to start fixing the economy and following through on the. Uh, you know, essentially this is a second term, so now people are expecting him to take action to do something that is more radical than something that he has done before now that he no longer has an election. So look forward to, uh, we may perhaps see President Obama being more bold and, and uh, making some more decisions that he might have hesitated to do in the past. Uh, so this is very interesting. Um, here's something interesting for you, Ethan. This is a very, this is for anybody who's into politics, a very, very big piece of news. Um, Fidel Castro has reappeared in public. Wow. Yes, as being reported by the BBC uh, minutes ago, uh, the state television showed the 86-year-old voting at a polling station where he was believed to have spent up to an hour talking to other voters and the the media. Uh, He... A BBC reporter in Havana says he was stooped and spoke with a faint, weak voice. And uh, there there was a lot of cheering and a crowd surrounded the car. And um, Raul Castro, Fidel's uh, younger brother, has taken over the country as president. Uh, He's also 81 right now. Um, So this is something uh, that's definitely being followed. But uh, there was a lot of speculation in the past that uh, Fidel Castro was no longer alive and the Cuban government was keeping it quiet. Now, that appears to have been false. Uh, Fidel Castro is still alive. Uh, he's not in power. He looks he looked to be very weak, but he's certainly very much alive, and he did vote in the election that occurred today. So I think that's an interesting piece of news for anybody who follows world politics and who knows that uh, Fidel Castro hasn't been around um uh, for the past several years, uh, as he was believed to have been fighting a sickness, and, uh, and of course he's representing a wonderful democracy. So, <laughs> well, as as we know, uh, Cuba has had its rocky history with, uh, with 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 the world and with pretty much with anybody, uh, with particularly with the United States at this point. Um, and also there's a uh, word coming around that uh that Iran nuclear talks will be continuing in uh Kazakhstan. And uh that's something that, that uh Vice President Joe Biden is uh headlining 
So we will be following that to see how things are going to turn out on the international stage with Iran. Um, and also, while we were on the topic of Israel earlier, um, there has begun, begun intensive coalition talks uh, on Sunday uh, with the new prime minister who was recently re-elected, Benjamin Netanyahu, uh, who was formally tasked with forming a new government following last month's election. And uh, that's something that's going to be rather of a challenge because Israel now also has some internal turmoil that they have to resolve, um, while at the same time dealing with any of the outside forces and issues that are coming around. Ethan? Yep. Uh, so we got about not about 10 to 15 minutes left in the program. So you can uh, chime in. The number is 347-426-3903. You can call in free, toll free by way of Skype. You can also chat with us on Jabber Chat. Uh, and uh, also on the Blog Talk Radio chat room. I also want to give a shout-out to Blog Talk Radio. They recently um, uh, they redesigned their website. It's a new look, and I'm liking the way it looks. So I just want to give them a – it's not a technology show. That's I want to catch our show, a system showdown. We can talk more about that. But uh, – Right, but considering the Block Talk Radio is a major medium for us to get our word out, uh, we do we do appreciate when there's uh, different updates to keep it up up to uh, I guess modern standards of sorts. And uh, yeah. while we're on the topic of modern standards, uh, do check out our Facebook page. Uh, we do have a Facebook page at uh, Facebook.com/slash Legal Docket. Is that correct? That's right. And uh, we also have a, a Twitter. Sorry, can you remind me what our Twitter is? I believe it's twitter.com also slash uh, legal docket. And you can also check out our whole network at twitter.com slash showdoc, S-H-O-W-D-O-C-K. Of course, and since we're talking on the topic of uh, ShowDoc, uh, do check out our website, www.showdoc.com. It has all of our shows there uh, with links and as well as... uh, different archive shows and uh, our links to our legal docket uh, connections. So please do connect with us, uh, like our show on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and uh, we'll definitely be bringing you some great things coming down the line in the next uh, several days and weeks and months to come. So um, yeah, My 49ers are coming back again. Uh, they just scored a field goal, and they're within five now. They're within the possession it's 28 to 23. The uh, the uh, 49ers with 17 points, I believe, unanswered in the third quarter, and uh, they uh, they're, they're getting very close. And this is turning into a very you know, 17 points unanswered in the uh, third quarter. Uh, touchdown, uh, a couple of touchdowns. From the quarterback Frank Gore, um, and uh, and uh, and David Aker's 33-yard field goal. So uh, it's uh, it's uh, it's uh, it's turning into uh, like last year, another close Super Bowl. Uh, last year, my uh, Giants won. Um, that's team I root for number one. So uh it's um uh, Oh it's interesting. I I think uh Ethan here is showing uh what his what, what he who he's siding with. Interesting. Yeah. Right? Not being rather neutral there, Mr. Bossman. Uh speaking of neutral and speaking of an issue that definitely has kept the country uh on their, toes, on their toes, uh, the com mm-hmm. is reporting that Obamacare compromise is still at odds with some Bay Area citizens, particularly Christian citizens. Uh, Washington Times reported Friday 
that objecting organizations to self-insure would work with an insurer to arrange no-cost contraceptive coverage through separate individual health insurance plans. Um, you know, they're still uh, coming up with issues where they're having trouble uh, finding those alternatives. Uh, the religious groups that primarily employ and serve people of their own faith, such as Christian churches, were exempt. Um, Church-affiliated universities, Catholic charities, and hospitals have to comply, and their insurer would pick up the tab so they don't pay anything against their views. Uh, there appears to be some issues where it is not working exactly as it was as it was intended, and uh, the American Civil Liberties Union said the changes appear to still allow for the goal of seamless coverage to be mm-hmm. met but the compromises are becoming much more difficult. And, um, you know, there there are still a lot of conflicts going on in the Bay Area, particularly um, where the charities aren't getting the kind of um, compromise that they were looking for in the past, or at least it's not working the way it was designed initially uh, because the insurers aren't as quick to reimburse, you know, as you would expect probably from big insurance companies, they aren't as quick to reimburse these uh, church-affiliated organizations in the way that it was originally intended to do as per the law. So uh, this is something that we are coming across where we see Obamacare or the Patient Protection Affordable Care Act not exactly working in the same intent as it was originally designed. And this is something that the Republican Party has initially brought up, and I think it's interesting that now we're seeing some objection going around to it even to this day. Uh, although the law was upheld by the Supreme Court, it still remains to be seen how well it works in practice and only now is kind of it's, it's beginning to be rolled into uh, actual practice and uh, people are seeing the full effect of it as, as, as that begins. Yeah, definitely. And Elia's right, I should be more neutral. So <laughs> I'll try to be neutral with our Nine minutes ago on the program, um, but yeah, but uh, this is definitely the issue you just mentioned is something that goes across both party lines, right? Right, right. It's something that uh, you know, this is something that we're we're seeing more and more, and uh, you know, in particular, Obamacare was a very contentious issue over the past few years, and uh, you know, seeing the actual effect of it right now. We knew this was coming. We knew that it wasn't going to be until the year, you know, after it was passed that we would actually get to see the results, that we would actually get to see how, you know, everything plays out, how each one of the, you know, the the, the laws and each one of the stipulations that were put in were actually going to work in practice. And I think right now we're finally getting a look at that a little bit more as that goes on. Um couple of things I want to talk about. Again, one of these is a rather local story from here in uh, New York City. Uh, a teen was charged in a, in a boy's fall from the roof, according to the Washington Post. Uh, I'm sorry, the Wall Street Journal. And uh, it appears that a Bronx teenager was charged Sunday with attempted murder after he allegedly removed a nine-year-old boy from his apartment dragged him to the roof of the five-story building and threw him to the street below, leaving him on life support. It is a terrible, terrible story that has uh, occurred earlier today, and uh, it's very unfortunate, but this is interesting. Uh, This is interesting for one very simple reason, I think. Uh, Here we see evidence of violence that didn't necessarily come in regards to gun control. It right. didn't come from a gun. It actually came from a person throwing somebody else off the roof. And, you know, it's, uh, again, we're being told that the teenager who was charged is a troubled youth with a rap sheet that includes robbery, felony, aggravated harassment, and menacing. Um, here's a question for you, and we'll kind of, I guess, finish off the show with something like this. Um, what if violence is not necessarily an effect of guns. What if violence in general is something that is in the culture? It is something that is either 
picked up or taught or seen somewhere that there's more to violence than just holding a gun and, and you know, killing somebody with guns. Sure, gun control will definitely allow less people to be killed in a mass murder spree like we've seen over the past few years. But there's violence going on all over the world. And when you're seeing teenagers as young as 17 years old, I mean, it's awful to see them not only with rap sheets, but these are teenagers who don't have any value for human life. And I think that is a major, major concern for our society. If, if, if the young people growing up in our society do not value life and, and what it means to have a human life, then, you know, how can we possibly talk about gun control or any other kind of control measure where they will find a way of violence one way or the other? Clearly, this was not an issue where we had uh, a weapon, but he used his own hands to push the boy off the roof and leave him a life support. You know, even if this teenager is convicted, he's looking still at 25 years to life, and he's only 17. He barely lived a life. He didn't even get a chance to go to college. He he probably did not even get a chance to experience driving or, you know, possibly drinking at a club at 21. He's not going to get those experiences now. He's He might actually spend his life in jail and then come out and possibly not be able to re-enter the living world because he simply won't know how to do it because he never actually lived an adult life uh, outside of the, you know, the, the jail community. So what do you think, Ethan? Just to close off the show, let's, let's talk about this briefly. Well, there's been a lot of violent uh, stories lately. Um, uh, a lot of... I don't know if you've been, uh, heard of these stories, but uh, yeah, this is uh, this is going to be this is going to be uh, this is going to dominate uh, President Obama's second term. This gun control. Uh, we had a Marine allegedly turn his gun on two friends, uh, Navy SEAL, I believe. Did you hear about this? Well, even as recently as uh, I believe yesterday was, where the ex Navy SEAL sniper, who was one of the finest snipers around, I hear, with something like 160 kills, was shot and killed uh, at a shooting range by, you know, what seems to be some kind of argument that broke out. And he was killed with a, uh, with what seems to be his neighbor with a semi-automatic pistol during a, uh, uh, <laughs> during a disagreement. So, it, it, you know, it's interesting. It can touch anybody. Even a Navy SEAL who was one of the finest snipers around can actually be shot to death at a shooting range just out of nowhere. You know, this is a guy who was very prepared for war, knew what things were going around. But, you know, we don't know. I think we might be talking about the, the, the same thing, was it? No, I'm not sure. No, this is a different story. I'm sorry. I'm just looking at something like that. And, you know, just... Looking back at this, this fine officer's Navy SEAL, Chris Kyle, he actually spent time helping soldiers. He he was believed in 2010, uh, he spent time, according to Reuters.com, he spent time to help Marine Corps veterans suffering from PTSD. So this is a guy who was definitely involved, who was definitely trying to fix the problems that soldiers were having coming back from uh, from war. And it's unfortunate to see um, this kind of violence, this kind of unneeded violence around uh, in our world. Mm-hmm. Anyways, just to close out the show, uh, we're going to give you the live update of the score. It is now 31-23 with the right. Ravens up ahead. They just scored a field goal, and um, they're up ahead 31-23 to in the fourth quarter. Uh, and uh, we'll continue to watch this as well. And uh, I believe the third quarter just finished. So we yeah. are going to definitely be on the lookout for this. And uh, with that being said, thank you for joining us here on Legal Docket. Thank you. Uh, this was Lily Arvin here from Staten Island, uh, joining Ethan Quasman. Mr. Quasman? Ethan Quasman from Brooklyn. Thanks for tuning in tonight. And look forward to talking down the line. We're back at our usual 9 p.m. 
uh, Sunday night time, so we'll be back in, in full force. Uh, there's no pun there related to gun control. We're back in full force next week. <laughs> uh, Have a great Super Bowl Sunday, everybody. Good night. Peace out, everyone, and enjoy the rest of the Super Bowl. <laughs>